My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 212 of The Kate Show. Today, I'm sharing seven business moves that I would and would not repeat as a creative entrepreneur. I mean, guys, business is all about live and learn, right? So there are seven particular things that I would absolutely never do again because it was an awful experience or just purely a waste of time. But there are seven other things that hands down I would do again and many of them I am still doing to this day. And before I get into all the details of those seven things, I want to give a shout out to HoneyBook. If you are looking for a professional client workflow that can be automated just as much as your window treatments, you need to check out HoneyBook. You can use code SOCIALITE for 50% off your first year. Go to share.honeybook.com forward slash socialite. And guys, I am using Socialite for my agency. I think it's amazing. We use it in particular for our highly custom projects, such as website design. It sends the email to the client at the right time, sends them reminders at the right time, sends them proposals and invoices and all the things so that I don't have to remember to do it. I don't have to pay a team member to remember to do it. And it really takes the place of needing a VA or an admin or something. So it's pretty darn cool. All right, so let's get into a little bit more detail here. Why am I talking about my regrets in business? Well, because those who don't know their own history are doomed to repeat it, which is a very cliche statement, but I firmly believe it. And if I said I wouldn't do anything in the past differently, I would risk bringing that same old baggage into my future. But on the other side of that argument, there are things that I would do again, the things I'm proud of, the things I didn't think I could do until I did them. So if you've made mistakes despite your best intentions in business, or you've made great choices without even realizing it, this episode is for you. It's my hope that you will feel seen and heard and encouraged to keep moving forward in your business because goodness knows it's hard. (laughs) All right, quick shout out to Side Door. As an interior designer, you might feel like the only way to make money is to work more hours. And who wants to do that? You all are working already like 80 hours a week anyway. Or hire more employees. (laughs) Cha-ching, sounds like overhead to me. And set up a retail location. Oh my goodness, that sounds like a major headache. And all of these things can really drive you crazy. It can also cost you time with your family. It can cost you your own mental health and your physical well-being. And that's when, as an interior designer, you have to be like, is this worth it? Is this the life that I intended to live? If not, you need to consider other money-making options. Side Door actually presents another option. You can sell trade-only products and earn an average commission of 30% on each sale, which is pretty amazing. Not only do you have far more income potential than really outdated affiliate marketing has to offer, but you also don't have to worry about the headache of inventory or handling orders, shipping returns, customer service. Just curate a room package, make the sale, and get paid. Side Door does the rest. You can sell each package over and over again, or you could even offer a custom service that lets you handcraft a package for each client. Then you're getting paid for your time, and you're also making a commission on every product they buy. Either way, Side Door is a smarter way to scale your design firm. To start earning money with Side Door, apply to join them. Go to www.onsidedoor.com and get started today. All right, guys, let's get into it. These seven things that I would and wouldn't repeat as a creative entrepreneur. 
marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. While I've never been fond of doing a year in review podcast episode on the show, I personally love hearing what other entrepreneurs feel were their best and their worst moments because from that knowledge comes wisdom. If you all can learn from my mistakes or even from my better choices, that is one less hurdle you'll need to navigate for yourself. Saves a lot of time. It's really the essence of an online course, right? We are paying money to learn someone else's lessons and you're getting that for free here on the show today. So here we go. There are no trade secrets, just <laughs> lessons learned. Let's just start with the more negative side of things. I'm gonna go through seven things I would not do again as a creative business owner. The first one is probably the most controversial, but it needs to be said because there's someone out there who's waiting to hear this. It is, I would not get a college degree. Now I'm not against college as a whole, but I can't justify spending massive amounts of money for a piece of paper and the quote unquote college experience. And because I wasn't intending to become a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, whatever, really the reason for me going was I thought I just had to go because that's what people did. The problem is the quality of public education continues to get lower and lower and it was really teetering on the edge of ridiculous when I graduated from college in 2014. I recall many times sitting in class and hearing my tenured professors share intimate details about their personal lives that would have made any slightly more professional quite uncomfortable. Ugh, let's just put it that way. Each time this happened, I could only bemoan the fact that I was actually paying them for this. Uh, like, what the heck, right? And maybe the issue was that I attended a public university rather than private. I don't know. I have no comparison. Regardless, I actually completely regret getting my Bachelor of Arts degree because the degree did nothing for me. It didn't open new doors, it didn't help me become a better business owner, it literally just wasted two and a half years of my life. You're like, wait, two and a half years? Yes. I sped up my college career to get the heck out of there. Like, I was like, no, this is clearly a waste of time. I just didn't have, like, the common sense to be like, well, if it's a waste of time, why don't you just stop entirely? I was like, no, I started it, I'm going to finish it. So I crammed it all into two and a half years and um, got it done, got my degree, got the heck out of there. <laughs> and while I'm thankful to have graduated without debt, I know that college debt can haunt people for decades, and maybe it's time to realize what I realized far too late. College is not a requirement for success. It doesn't increase your value as a person, and it doesn't prove anything other than you have the ability to somewhat mostly kind of complete homework assignments on time. I mean, really, that that's what it is. Now, obviously, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something else, you do have to have the right degrees. I'm not saying those people shouldn't go to college. I just don't think this should be the default for everybody. And as I think about my kids' futures, I already know that college will totally be an option for them, but not the first option and not a prerequisite for a quote-unquote real job. Because experience is the best form of education, and so much can be learned outside traditional classroom settings. So that's my most controversial one. Take it for what you will. I just know a lot of really successful people who never went to college, and I know a lot of college graduates, and maybe they even have multiple degrees, and they're struggling, and they're in a career that they hate, 
and their education didn't do anything for them. Now, the argument could be made, it's not that our education should do something for us, but we should go do something with our education, and that's a whole other can of worms that I'm not even going to open. <laughs> but let's just move on to point number two. One thing I would not do again is take any client who could afford me. Now, in the early days of running my business, things were difficult, as is the case with all new businesses, and I was willing to work for free or offer special pricing and put up with obnoxious behavior from people simply because I thought I wasn't legit enough to expect better. Now, let me be clear. I am not entitled to good treatment just because I'm Kate. And I do have the responsibility to teach people how they should treat me. That's on me, not them. But if I could rewind eight years, I would raise my prices. I would build a proper sales funnel. And I would say no a lot more often. However, all these experiences with awful clients and the results of devaluing myself, kind of a rite of passage to becoming more successful, to becoming better as an entrepreneur and a person. If only I could have just learned those things vicariously, right? <laughs> but that's just not how it works. Sometimes we have to go through the swamp and not around it. The third thing I would not do again as a creative business owner is let my inner critic slow me down. Now, in the face of the unknown, I am known to fight, flee, or freeze. Yeah, just like every other human in existence. <laughs> There's nothing special about that. It's taken years for a fourth response to show up, and that is proactive planning. And not that I always use that fourth response, but I try to. And rather than spending precious brain power worrying, I've slowly, very, very, very slowly learned to redirect my thoughts to be more productive in addressing a situation. Now, maybe a crazy person sent me a mean email. Yeah, guys, that happens. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing. In the early days of business, I would be devastated when this happened and feel personally attacked. But today I know that well, it happens and it should be accepted. You know, take it all with a grain of salt. Don't digest it all. Sometimes you do have to shrug it off. Sometimes you have to admit when you're wrong. Sometimes you have to just recognize that someone was having a really bad day, clearly, and you got the brunt of it. Or maybe a contract fell through and it damaged how I viewed myself. And while my inner critic used to say, I told you this would happen, I'm now able to counter that with, it wasn't meant to be, and there will be others. The fourth thing I would not do again as an entrepreneur is offer an affiliate program. Now, I do love a good affiliate program if it's from a company that I use really often and I can authentically, organically promote it. That said, I'm an affiliate for only a handful of brands and I don't offer an affiliate program for my own agency's products. The issue I have with most affiliate programs is that there are too many ways for the affiliate to misrepresent a company and ultimately do more harm than good. For a short while in my own business, I ran a small affiliate program to promote Socialite Fault, and it resulted in leads that were confused about what we offered. Their expectations were unmeetable, and it resulted in a poor experience for everyone. While I had supplied my talking points and marketing materials to my affiliates in an effort to make their job easier, I realized my best clients were still coming from people who had nothing to gain financially for referring clients to me. As soon as I realized this, I ended the affiliate program, and I will never start it up again. It's just not a good source of high-quality leads. The fifth thing that I would not do again is try to manage my own bookkeeping. Oh my goodness, it was such a bad experience. Bookkeeping software can be confusing, and even if QuickBooks or Wave Accounting or whatever you use is second nature to you, 
Knowing how to properly categorize your expenses as tax deductions can have a significant impact on your business, and I know this because I definitely didn't do things right for the first, like, two and a half to three years. As a result, I was never quite sure if my business was actually making a profit or just increasing its revenue. There's a big difference, you know. You can make more money, but if you're also spending more money, then your bottom line doesn't change, or it could be going down and you don't even realize it. Or maybe you're paying too much in taxes and you don't realize it. Like, oh, what a punch in the gut, right? We don't have to, I don't want to pay any more in taxes than I already have to. You know what I mean? Like, gotta keep it legit, keep everything above the table, but I'm not gonna pay more in taxes just for fun, because that's not my idea of fun. So around my third year in business, I started working with Business by the Book, which is a bookkeeping firm I still use today. They specialize in working with interior designers, by the way. And shortly after that, I also started working with a financial advisor and my CPA. The financial advisor and CPA know each other. They work together a lot, and that has been such a game changer because we can go look at, you know, the 401k or look at how that's going to affect the tax burden and like just all these different things that can be done and rearranged legally, of course, always legally, to make sure that my business is reinvesting where it should be, paying taxes where it has to, and not overpaying in any direction. So it's just been really, really helpful. I don't understand all these things, so I have to hire and work with people who do know what they're doing. The sixth thing that I would never do again is sign an advertising contract. One of the first mistakes I made after creating an LLC was signing a contract with an advertiser, but because I had no specialty service, no ideal client, and no sales funnel, and also no idea that I even needed any of these things, all the ads in the world couldn't have made my business grow. Nevertheless, the ad salespeople came knocking and I totally bought into it. That experience made me think marketing was a complete joke and that there was no way I could ever do it myself. Little did I know I would end up running a marketing agency based on simple, sustainable strategies. It's ironic, but I also think experiences like that are why I became a marketer because I'm like, surely, surely there is a better way to do this, a more cost-effective way to do this, a way for people to do this on their own if they want to, and now here we are today with all the tools in place for people to do their own marketing or outsource it to us at a very reasonable rate. And so in a way, I guess I'm glad I made that mistake, but also getting stuck in a 12-month contract is a terrible, terrible feeling. The seventh thing that I would not repeat in my business is forgetting to add a termination clause to an agreement. Now, this is totally a naive move on my part. I didn't know what I was doing. I was in too much of a hurry. But believe me, the first time I forgot to add a termination clause to an agreement was the last time. And word to the wise, never ever assume the other party has your best interest at heart. Because contracts and agreements and their many accoutrements, including termination clauses, exist to protect both parties from the less desirable qualities of human nature. And I had to honestly wait for the other party to breach this contract before I could get myself out of it because there was no termination clause. And it was not a great experience, but completely educational, one that I will never forget or repeat. This episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by Socialite Vault. 
Did you guys know we give away free marketing templates in the vault? That's right, you don't have to be a member to test drive these templates. Just go to socialitevault.com and click on the freebies tab. These templates are specific to designers, stagers, workrooms, and organizers. They're beautiful and easy to edit in Canva. Go to socialitevault.com to grab your templates now. Now, before I go into the seven business moves I would totally repeat and am continuing to repeat as a creative entrepreneur, quick little disclaimer. Um, I took a break between the first part of this episode and the second part for some meetings, and now I have my dog in my office with me, so you might hear him bark or moan or breathe heavily. (laughs) Just know it's not me, (laughs) but he has to be in here because our house cleaners showed up, which I'm eternally grateful for the house cleaners that we have. And he just can't handle that. So he's going to be making some noise. But this is what working from home looks like. And for those of you who are wondering, because I know I have a lot of dog lovers out there, um, he is a German Shepherd and he's 100 pounds. (laughs) He is very intimidating to most people, but he's actually the biggest baby ever, but he also has a very, very loud bark. So hopefully we won't get too many of that in the rest of this episode. Uh, But just to give you guys a picture of it, um, he is eight years old, but he acts like he is three. And that also means he's super healthy, I guess. So I'm thankful for that. But my goodness, (sighs) these dogs can't live with them, can't live without them. So anyway, I digress. I'm going to go into the seven things that I would totally do again as an entrepreneur. The first one is that I would find my niche market. Now, finding my niche market was a pivot that made a six-figure financial difference in my business very quickly. I went from serving anyone who would hire me to focusing specifically on the home industry, and I'm frequently told that our specialty is the reason why designers, stages, and organizers choose us over other options. It's also the reason they leave a more generalized marketing agency, even if that other agency provides more services. Specificity sells. I'm living proof of it. I will die on that hill. It is so much easier to grow and scale a business when you are specific in something, when you have a niche market and an ideal client, than if you're just trying to serve anyone and everyone. After all, how many of you are listening to this podcast right now, primarily because you want marketing advice for the home industry, not just generalized marketing advice? Well, spoiler alert, that's why pretty much all of you are here. Now, the second thing that I will continue to do, and I'm glad I've done in my business, is ignore my competitors and support my colleagues. Now, the first time I shared publicly on Instagram that I don't pay attention to my competitors, I received a comment from one of my followers who said that my whole philosophy made me sound really arrogant, and I had likely phrased it poorly, but the fact of it is it's still true to this day. Every entrepreneur shares space with someone else who does the same thing they do, but that doesn't actually mean I'm competing with them. I don't visit their website. I don't read their social media posts. I'm just too busy pouring all my focus into my own business, and I like to believe that they are just as laser-focused on their own businesses too, and if not, they should be. Not only are there plenty of clients to go around for everyone, just as in the home industry, but each business also serves clients a little bit differently. My agency is certainly not the agency for every designer, every stager, or organizer in existence, 
despite that being our specialty, and I refer people to my colleagues when I need to. Sometimes the lead is not a good fit for us. Sometimes we as the agency aren't a good fit. And I love having a small roster of colleagues that I can really trust to take good care of people when I refer them over. The third thing that I am really glad I did in my business is keep our service offerings to a minimum. As my agency has grown, the number of services we offer has actually decreased. Not only does this help us become even more specialized, but it also greatly increases the effectiveness of our own marketing. Rather than spreading ourselves thin when trying to market 10 different services, we are able to hone in on just a few, going deep rather than wide, which also increases the value of those services. The fourth thing that I would continue to do whenever needed, as much as needed, is drop irrelevant service offerings. So tagging along with my previous point, I would rather remove services from my business than add them. And how do I know when to drop a service like it's hot? <laughs> well, simple. If over time, data makes clear that my clients are not benefiting from a certain service, that service gets cut. So far, my business has ceased the following services. First one is Google+. When Google announced that it was ending Google+, after a failed attempt at creating its own social platform, our management service left with it, understandably so. However, we have been delighted to see how much more prominent Google business listings have become as they do have a direct impact in how your business is found by those who are searching for services in your area. Businesses typically don't need someone to help them manage their Google business listing because the process of using Google business is so refreshingly simple. So if you have never set up a Google business listing account, you need to go do that. It's free and it will make a difference and put you on the map, literally the Google map. The other thing that we've stopped offering is house management. H-O-U-Z-Z, -Z. yes, that house. When house made it obvious that they were trying to sell direct to homeowner and circumvent the interior designer, we knew it was time to step away. Plus, only a handful of clients over the past eight years have had anything positive to say about the platform. Bummer for house, but good to know for us. The other service that we've totally nixed is Facebook and Instagram management. Shocker, right? Well, we've got reasons. When the demographic data of these platforms revealed that the users of Facebook and Instagram are largely DIY and that they're making an average of 76,000 or less a year, and that the apps themselves actually prevent business posts from being seen because they want you to pay to boost the post, and because they also want to limit traffic to your website because they want people to stay in the app instead, Facebook and Instagram lost tremendous value as part of our clients' marketing funnels. Therefore, there's no point in us offering the service because it's extremely rare for a professional in the home industry to actually gain a quality lead despite their best efforts on social media. As a rule, we don't ask our clients to invest in marketing tactics that, according to data, will not result in new clients for their own businesses. Now, sure, my agency could still make money offering things like Instagram management, but we're not here to make a quick buck. We are here to serve our home industry clients in the ways that are best for them, not us. If the service that we are providing supports a platform that doesn't have the best interest of our clients at heart, we no longer see it as a viable investment. The time we spent offering those services has been redirected into the marketing methods that truly do serve our clients best, namely email marketing and sales funnels. The fifth thing that I have done in my business that I am glad I did and will continue doing is I started a podcast and I turned the show notes into blog posts. 
So some of you might know, I started the Kate Show podcast in 2018, and I was not sure if it would amount to anything. Nobody really knew me or cared what I had to say, but I also felt like I had a lot to share. The marketing lessons I had learned were burning a hole in my chest, and they simply had to be talked about. Fast forward to 2022, and the podcast has become a revenue generator all its own, not just from sponsored ads, but also, and more importantly, from the number of leads it brings into my agency. If you have something to say to your ideal clients, and if you can commit to a regular schedule of producing audio content, I highly recommend podcasting because, man, it has changed my career and the trajectory of my business. A few years ago, I started writing 1,500 to 2,000 word blog posts, or longer, honestly, for every podcast episode I did. And because I'm a writer, I found that to be a better way to organize my thoughts before hopping on the show and rambling until your ears fell off. More importantly, though, I love the SEO value that this blogging tactic has brought to my agency. You guys might never look at my show notes, but Google does. And since implementing this tactic of blogging two to four times a month, Google has become and has remained our number one source of all website traffic. So yes, blogging, well, writing show notes, can take forever, even for a writer. It can also take many months to gain traction, and yet some of our most popular content is trending years after it was released. The hard work I put in has become cumulative, and this can be true for you too. Be specific, talk to your people, and start blogging. The sixth thing that I did and will continue to do is create systems, processes, workflows, and templates for every service that my agency offers. I am a sucker for a good system. I get totally geeked out about a solid workflow. And the reason is pretty simple. I mean, these things save so much time. They let a business attract the right clients and take on more of those clients. And because they allow a business owner to become the CEO of their own business, it's easier to scale. Rather than doing all the work themselves because only they, quote unquote, know how to do everything or know where to find everything, they can easily bring on new team members and spend minimal time training them. So as an agency, we have a workflow for every service and product that we offer. Not only does this ensure that each client is served well, but it also helps my team members understand their unique set of responsibilities in my business and take ownership of them. The seventh and final thing that I am so glad I did and will continue to do is pay a premium for high quality team members who don't need to be babysat. So those team members are everything. And I learned early on that hiring the cheapest freelancer only results in a bigger headache. I decided to hire people who were already professionals in the role that I needed to fill. And yes, that meant I'd be paying more, far more than 15 bucks an hour, but it also meant that my business would run more smoothly and our clients would be happier and my business would be able to scale faster which is all true and has all happened, by the way. When I needed an assistant website designer, for example, I didn't look for someone who was inexperienced and therefore a lot cheaper. I looked for and found someone who knew Squarespace like the back of her hand and who could also write code. Shout out to you, Amanda. And when I needed someone to manage Pinterest accounts, I brought on a former food blogger with an interior design and window treatment workroom background. She had not only taken an intense course on Pinterest, but she's also been implementing it in her own brand. So shout out to you, Stacy. When I needed someone to handle customer service, a variety of writing and editing tasks, and yes, even some more Pinterest management, I hired someone who was already a professional editor with loads of customer service experience. And 
that is a rare combination, and that's exactly what makes Allie such an ascent. And by the way, guys, sorry for the yelping. <laughs> My dog is, as we say here in Wisconsin, he's literally having a cow over here right now because someone dared to clean the floor outside my office. Anyway, real life, right? Now, as many of you know, I also partnered up with Jacqueline Edwards. She's part of my team, even though she doesn't work for me necessarily. But when I partnered up with her, it was really cool because I just had to step out of the way. As someone with startup experience, writing ability, and marketing savvy, Jacqueline owned her part of our partnership like a total boss, and she has her own team that manages her own side of our partnership. It's been amazing. Now, I also have an extended team. So when I needed childcare, I started asking for personal referrals. My next door neighbor recommended a specific local daycare, and it wasn't the newest or the fanciest option, but I was instantly impressed by the administrator and the teachers, and I now consider them part of my extended team because there's no way I could run a business while wrangling a toddler, coming up with sensory activities, teaching the one, two, threes and the ABCs and sign language and all the other things that they do at that facility. It's like, oh, it's so much. And especially now that my three-year-old is really starting to argue with me and be sassy and it kind of makes me proud because like that was totally me at three. Uh, it's still a lot. I'm like, girl, you need to play with your friends. And she does. <laughs> she is not a homebody. Like, I'm totally fine working from home day after day. She needs to get out of the house. She thrives on that. She asks me nearly every morning, so where are we going today? What are we doing today? And knowing that I have a place to send her three or four days a week that takes such good care of her and teaches her so many things and provides a loving environment. I mean, that is everything. And it's something I'm willing to pay a premium for. I just couldn't run my business without my team, my internal team, my extended team, everybody. These women have earned my trust and respect in every single dollar paid to them ever. So word of advice, get yourself a good team and they will take you and your business so far. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to work with my agency, you can do that. We've got the systems and processes to take your marketing from barely getting by to really flourishing. You can go to katethesocialite.com, check out our services and get started. Until next time, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.